Welcome to the Athletic Cleveland Baseball Podcast, Episode 4, but now Zach, Zach Meisel alongside TJ Zuppi. Zach, can I officially call this the Selby is God cast? Has the name officially been granted to us? Has this, has this become a thing? Have we put it out on Twitter, though? Have we asked everybody for recommendations? Have we made a poll? It's not official until there's a Twitter poll. Well, what about some sort of photo gallery? Should we roll out a photo gallery to help have everyone click on each photo to assign a value and then retweet or favorite or quote tweet based on your tweet? Or is there any other way we could mix in a vote? We could just name it Selby is God cast version 4.0. That's today. But I, I like things to be official. But it I is want official. The fans to have a say. But we got a couple people that said anything with Selby is good. We also got some bad, really bad suggestions. Can we just go with it? Can we just say that's what it is? I think it has to be organic. I don't think you can just force it. But this has now been four episodes. If the, if, if it doesn't have a name by episode five, it's going to just be branded the Athletic Cleveland Baseball All Podcast. Right. I, can I have a week then? A week? One last week. By episode five, we'll have an official name. It might be the Selby is God cast. It might not. Are you going to throw it out one more time on Twitter? Go yes. ahead. Do it. Yes, yes. Shamelessly plug us to try to get us some votes. Do it. Yeah. And it also gets more people listening. It doesn't really? Well, I mean, just if, if they have a say and they want to see if we picked their name. All right, fine. Is that TJ Zuppi at Zach Meisel, right? Yes. That's it. And maybe the Indians will retweet it. So at Indians. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Maybe the president will retweet it. That could actually happen. If we just compliment him. Yeah, sure. Why not? Anyway. Most people probably blocked him Stick by now. to sports. <laughs> and maybe we will over the next half hour or so. Okay, so Zach, we're down here in Progressive Field. Are you going to be able to stand for the next half hour? For some reason, you wanted to stand for this podcast. This is how I would do... I would do radio shows standing. I would do radio shows, five hours of a radio show standing. It helps me, like, not fall asleep in five hours to stand up a little bit have a little bit of energy this is why you're like so down and why people call you eeyore because you're always sitting you're very lackadaisical oh man i have to do this podcast even though i'm sick i did fall asleep while writing my mailbox (laughs) earlier this week um and i thought it was an interesting mailbox so it's not because it was boring i didn't know why after the fourth response there was just (laughs) a series of d's and z's and x's where your head hit the keyboard yeah but it I, I, you know, I like, well, the one thing I like about, we've talked about the White Sox Stadium. What do we call it? The, it's like a museum of minerals. minerals. Um, the only thing I like about that place, besides the cookies, are you can stand. They have certain desks that are standing yeah. height, and I have a bad back, and sometimes I need to, like, put my feet up at the end of the night when I write a story, and... That helps because you can mix it up a little bit. Stand up for a couple innings. It's good. How does the cold play help? Does that help at all? That just helps me focus. And um, sometimes... Things that are terrible? Well, it's weird because it's... I listen to cold play on planes to help me fall asleep. <laughs> and I listen to it when I write to help me focus. But now I'm wondering if maybe it also helps me fall asleep while I write. Yeah. One way or the other, we're learning that your stories will put people to sleep. We could call it the... Put You to Sleep podcast. The Put You to Sleep cast. Sure, people put that on when they're trying to catch a few Zs. Do you want to talk baseball? We could. Or we could just continue down this path. 
we're standing here in the huge interview room where you'll see at the end of the season, once the playoffs begin, they bring the players, bring certain players, bring managers down, and it's not in the normal room that we're in. They bring it into this bigger room that accommodates more media. So that's where we're at today because we were trying to find a quiet spot that we wouldn't get kicked out because we're down here today for the Indians Fall Development Program where they have all the minor leaguers in, um, several of them. How many are on the list? 31. 31? Okay, so we've got 31 players this year. They bring them in. They're around for the, the champagne celebration over the weekend. So that's where we're down here today. We're taking all that in, talking to a few guys. We figured we'd talk a little baseball on this week's podcast. So, A, are we going to go through this interrupted? Or is someone, is someone from the cleaning crew going to come in here, like, much like they wouldn't let you in the building to begin with? Are we going to be able to get through this podcast without someone kicking us out? And B, what did you take out of today? Well, maybe we get like Tristan McKenzie or Will Benson on for a few minutes. Just stopping by? Yeah. You know, know. I, I first want to talk about this room. <laughs> Think about all the things that have happened in this room. Nick Swisher, who said the word excited 16 times in his introductory press conference Ugh. five years ago. In his, in his opening statement. Yeah. Um, that 16 is official, I remember Whew. tweeting it. Um, I remember Kipnis, Gomes, and Brantley talking about their contract extensions oh, yeah. the day of the home opener in 2014. Can I mix in a negative one? I remember sitting down here with Irvin Santana and Mike ah. Sosha. After he tossed the no-hitter in 2011? 11. Yeah. That was a fun day. That was the most boring... What's the word? The Indians scored a run in that game. Yeah. Anticlimactic? <laughs> in 2011, they couldn't even get no-hit correctly. If there was ever going to be a no-hitter where players on the winning team didn't realize their pitcher had a no-hitter going, it was that day. <laughs> right, because like, I've Santana heard that. gets the final out, and you have, like... <laughs> The shortstop and the second baseman just, like, walking to the mound probably to shake hands and not realizing it's history. They just fire the ball into the stands. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, man. It's just the last out of this game. Oh, wait, there was a no-hitter? Yeah, because the Indians scored in the first inning on a sacrifice fly. This is, is this where we learned Terry Francona got woke up with peanut butter on his glasses? I think that was the first time we heard that was in his office. Okay. Then he retold the story. Once he knew that it was funny it and out. we laughed, he told it to the bigger audience. <laughs> We're kind of the test pilot yeah. on, on how all that works. So the, a lot of important things happen in here, and that's why we decided it would be fitting if we did the podcast here. Is this the most important thing that's happened in this room? Uh, I would say Swish, Swisher's one or two. Yeah, we, we actually had a few radio people that talk each day, talk sports, actually showed up for that press conference. Wow. It was a pretty big deal. Not since then, but it's been fun. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition. That's your word of the day. Uh, between on Sunday you had the Indians in the clubhouse spraying each other with champagne listening to the worst rap music ever invented, <laughs> posing for selfies, uh, and... Cigar smoke filling yeah. the air. And down the hall, you had Indians front office members meeting to plan out the rest of the week's itinerary with these 31 prospects who are here. And it's, it's a couple things. It's one, Carter Hawkins, the assistant general manager, who's over... He, he I think, created this program uh, way back when... He, he was talking about how it was amazing to see guys who were 
in this fall development program last year, Greg Allen, Francisco Mejia, where we were talking to them a year ago about what it was like thinking they were being traded and then not being traded. <laughs> and now a year later, they're spraying champagne. Mejia just turned 21 like 10 months ago, and here he is uh, guzzling champagne being well, poured by a teammate. While well, What would happen if he wasn't 21? Um, that would be illegal. Would he have the the black X on his on his hand? Yes. He would not be allowed into the club. <laughs> so it's it's just cool how it, it, there is no more perfect example to present to the guys who are here this week, and it's also rewarding to the Indians to see that this works. And you have guys contributing to a historic win streak and to a division clinch, who a year ago were learning about possibly one day <laughs> doing those things. Yeah, I think that's what strikes me, because I remember two years ago, a guy that had just won, I think he had just won minor league pitcher of the year, Ryan Merritt. Mm-hmm. And at the time, his, he had his hair was super long. He was very, very uncomfortable in the situation to talk to, what, five of us? But it's yeah. really the first time he's been in a, a major league clubhouse. He's surrounded by major league media. And so there's just that, that perspective there that he's not used to. Flash forward... A year later, because I think this was before they had switched it to be in the fall. This was still in the winter. And a year later, a year and a half later, whatever it was, he's pitching in game five of the ALCS. And that's when I I think I actually had that perspective for me, that realization that, wow, these guys aren't as – when they're in that room, they feel like they're so far away. You look at Will Benson, Brady Aiken, uh, Shane Bieber. You, you hear about these guys, but for us, we don't cover them. We don't see their games. We read about them. We read minor league reports. We read papers, um, articles about them, but we don't really see them. But the Indians have created an environment where they don't – those players don't necessarily have to feel that way. And they can point – it's one thing for – Carter to say something or for Tito to be up in front of the room and say something for Mickey Calloway for any one of those guys to say you're not far away prepare because your time could be coming at any point when they can point to Yandy Diaz when they can point to Greg Allen Francisco Mejia Ryan Merritt Sean Morimondo whoever they're calling up to try to have poor Morimondo <laughs> at some point they'll realize that he's in that locker room but when when you have those guys that you can point to and say look these guys have been in this position, and not too long ago they were sitting where you're at, and now I believe it was uh, Chernoff, Mike Chernoff, who said, those guys aren't taking a left into this room to, mm-hmm. to hear us talk to you. They're now taking a right into that clubhouse to go out in that field and try to win games. I, I think just from a, a realization standpoint for those young players, to be able to see that themselves, not feel like there's that roadblock or that there's this long path before they get to where they want to be, to be able to kind of see those things pay off has to mean a hundred times more than what any one person could tell them with words. Sure. I mean, Shane Bieber would look at us like we were crazy if we asked him today, What's it like knowing that a year from now you could have Jose Bautista talking trash? <laughs> Wait, I can say this, talking shit about you. Ooh, I'm marking it down. There's like, number one. Merrick could never have imagined that, and yet that's exactly what happened. And so, a lot of things, you know, you, you have to have things break your way, you have to perform, and you have to work really hard, but there is proof that the process works. And. If things go your way and if the team needs you and and it's the other thing is it's not like you're getting called up to a 95 loss team that just needs to play young players right just playing out the string no you're, you're getting called up and contributing to the American League favorite 
I mean, that's it's pretty remarkable that Greg Allen and Francisco Mejia are contributing, and they were in Double A with the Rubber Duckies three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's incredible when you think about it, and some of it. It's, an, it's amazing for me to believe this, but it's true. Some of it's luck because things yeah. had to break, and sometimes no pun intended, the right way to create those opportunities for those players. And then by doing that, it's created the opportunities. Those guys, to their credit, ran with that. And now I, I, I kind of look at it as like a positive domino effect because now, because all of those things have happened, now guys that are in the position of the minor leaguers who are now contributing are in that position you know, a year past, uh, now they can look at that and now they can feel like they can contribute. So when they get the opportunity, they're going to feel more compelled and, and more capable of being able to contribute. And I, I think that in some ways it's because of the way that it's happened over the past few years, they've kind of become a, a self-sustaining depth machine where they've been able to plug guys in. And to their credit, they've handled injuries to multiple-time All-Stars. Their top three guys and wins above replacement in the outfield are all on the shelf, can't play, and yet they're heading into the postseason. I don't feel any worse about their chances if they had all of those guys compared to when they don't. So, I mean, that's a credit to certainly the players that have given the opportunity to run with it, but it's a credit to the, the coaches and the front office guys for preparing them, and that's kind of what today is about. And it, it's all leading to the point where they can go celebrate in the locker room like they did over the weekend and spray each other with champagne and have those good times, have those good moments, which I don't know if you feel the same way, was not quite to the same level as we saw last year. Do you think last year or this year's celebration was was on the same level as, as last year, especially the clincher, the division clincher? I don't think anything will compare to what they did in Toronto. But Quick plug for more on how the Indians have built a sustainable winner. Go to theathletic.com, click Cleveland, go to the Indians page, and you can read my story. And that um, sounds yeah. really complicated. So I, I've... I had a an epiphany um, during the Should champagne stand back? during the champagne celebration. It was definitely more subdued, and and I noticed it when Carlos Santana went to the corner of the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. It, he just went and like stood away, and Eric Gonzalez came over and tried to like poke him, and Santana was having none of it. And I don't know if he was, like, throwing a tantrum or <laughs> if he just, like, didn't want to get soaked. Um, but it kind of led me – I, I kind of stepped back and thought, you know what? This is pretty tame. And, like, Joe Smith and Jay Bruce came back out with cigars and – At one point, I looked over and the bullpen guys were just kind of sitting in the corner. Just yeah. drinking a brewski and, and not really – I mean, they were having fun. They were spraying each other a little bit. But, I don't know, maybe – well, there Maybe were, it was more the young guys that were having a bunch of fun. There were five people I had circled to watch out for because I thought they might attack me with champagne. And I got a little bit... Michael not Martinez. As, not, not as bad as you, who... Is your phone okay? Is this the same phone? <laughs> it's still sad. I don't know if this podcast is getting posted. <laughs> um, but none of the five really got me. And at one point, I felt secure enough to just walk to the middle of the clubhouse and talk to Trevor Bauer. Yeah. And he was actually one of the five. And, like, there, there was no harm done. And it was just, it was tame. Last year it was like, you had no shot. And, and so, I don't I, I it was, yeah, you could say, okay, well, it's because they have greater goals this year. But still, if you're going to blow it out, blow it out, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important. I've heard, I've heard this on Sports Talk Radio the the non-understanding 
uh, of why this happens. And does it even Antonetti said he doesn't really <laughs> understand why grown men portion? He doesn't know, but he was in there partaking in it and having fun. I I think for me, I think it's important, and maybe it's not as important over. Uh, an 82-game NBA regular season, a 16-game NFL regular season. Baseball, it is a grind, a freaking grind for the players, for the coaches, sometimes for the fans following at home, sometimes for us. I mean, it is a really big grind. And I think it's important when you have those that long season that is just day after day after day. It's relentless. It's a war of attrition every single day to take moments where you can appreciate it. And, and for guys that, as you said, kind of blow it out just have some fun, get that out of their system. Um, And it helped that they had a day off the next day. Very true. And they, and to their credit, they showed up, they had already clinched. I mean, I thought it was going to be like the last day of school. When you show up, no one wants to learn. Teachers don't want to be there. Students don't want to be there. It's like the end of spring training when everyone's just looking ahead. They don't. No one wants to be there. They still went out and won that game, and it was a close game. I was game. actually surprised Kluber even started. Kluber started, and it was normal Kluber. I mean, there was if you didn't know and you only looked at the game, you would think it was just a regular game. And they went in there, took care of their business, and then they went out and celebrated. And I think that in some ways – it kind of sums up the way that they've they've talked about the everyday aspect and dealing with the win streak, and they do feel like more of a, a mature bunch in how they're handling things compared to last year. Not that they handled last thing last year's things poorly, but just compared to this year, I think there's more of a sense. And I think even you wrote this a few weeks ago. Just that sense of not having to prove that they're good. They know they're good, and they they expected to be here. Uh, maybe not as early as September 17th, but they expected to be in that locker room spraying champagne on each other. Right, and they were the underdog last year all along because the day Sunday when they sprayed each other with champagne was the one-year anniversary of Carlos Carrasco getting drilled in the hand and being out for the year and a certain reporter writing that they were dead. <laughs> so, yeah, this year they don't have any reason to chant F.U. Hoinsey, and they don't have any reason to... Uh, kind of embrace the underdog role and the us against the world mentality. They're they're expected to do this, and so it is different. And I think last year it was celebrating the fact that they did what few people thought they could. This is celebrating something that everyone expected all along. So right. it's different. And it, look, if they win the World Series, that'll top any celebration that they've done ever. And so I think. Uh, we can be a little comfortable, and if we forget to bring a crappy old sweatshirt <laughs> to the champagne celebration, then we might even survive. Not me. Well, Not me. Yeah. My phone is... I don't know how it's working. It Jose is Ramirez working. is the one guy who maybe was not more subdued than last year. <laughs> no, he's... I don't think... Um, as much as his home run total has inflated, so has his personality. Yes. It's always been there, but it is, he has become more and more comfortable with bringing out who he truly is. And he should, because he's playing out of this world right now. He's an MVP candidate, all that stuff. And he's as important as, it really, it's, you, I don't think you can overblow his importance for, for what he's meant to this team. You, in some, guys, some cases, maybe you can, but I don't think anyone can about Jose. And maybe in some cases, undersell it with the way he's bouncing around the infield, all that sort of thing. Then you see him bouncing around the clubhouse and spraying guys with champagne. But you're right. I, I, I agree with you. 
feel like it was a little bit more subdued. It also doesn't mean that they're going to go out and have more success in the postseason. It's not, it's not like that's a direct reflection of they're going to be able to better handle the postseason ahead. All those stupid narratives that are going to get thrown out. Yeah. It, it mean, none of that means anything. You know, they're going to go out, they could get swept in the first round, and because they didn't have a huge celebration, it's going to have no impact on that. But I just feel like, uh, as we've said many a time, they, they feel confident in themselves and sort of just having that confidence allows them to be able to handle every bit of adversity that's thrown their way because initially there was a question last year whether they would. They did it. Now when they're getting that stuff thrown at them, whether it's Bradley Zimmer, his broken hand, or Michael Brantley can't get off the anti-gravity machine, you know, Jason Kipnis is... Well, if there was no gravity, it would be a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I know if they played on water... As opposed to the land base running. Brantley I've seen... would be the MVP on the moon. <laughs> oh, my God. I've seen it all. I've seen all my Twitter mentions. It all. I've heard every joke. That, I, you've heard that one? I, that if he played on the moon, he would be MVP? Yeah. No, I don't think I've heard that okay, one. Okay, good. Now I, now I officially have heard all of that. But all those things, there is still stuff to do in these last two weeks. They're well, not just – you don't just throw them away. No. Because, and you've because, written about this. Well, I mean – if any team clinched on September 17th, put yourself in their position. I mean, it's easy for us to say, you should just be balls to the wall the whole time. The 95 Indians clinched on September 8th. And then they looked at that goal of trying to win 100 wins, and they used that as their fuel to yeah. push forward. And so, I'm, I don't think any of that has any direct correlation on the postseason, by the way. I, I don't. I, I don't. You could get complacent, you could not care, and you can still turn a switch and go out and win the World Series. Especially but, now because you're going to get, what, four days off before the ALDS? Three yeah, or four days right. off? So it's not sure. like, you know, if this 22, people were saying, oh, they've won 22 in a row, if only the playoffs started tomorrow. Yeah, well, you get three or four days off, so you kind of cool down, and, and that momentum or whatever, it, like that doesn't mean anything. I... I, I have a hard. I mean, can it? Sure, but is it going? To, is is there any definitive proof in that momentum is carrying over, or that uh, complacency sets in? No, because we have enough instances on both sides of the fence where you can point to examples in either direction. But I mean, for this team, when when Jay Bruce sat in front of the room and answered my question about complacency, everything that he said about them having goals and still pushing forward, trying to be the best team in baseball top the Dodgers, get to 100 wins, all that stuff. I, I bought everything that he said. There are certain times that guys say that stuff and you go, all right, come on. I, yeah, I, this I can team, see through that. This team has already won games with its backups and its third stringers to where, whoa, I mean, they, they don't have to go balls to the wall to accomplish what they want to accomplish. True. They don't have to run out the same lineup every night because they're through uh, – through necessity, they've had to run different guys yeah. out there. And, I, and that's I – pr- I think they should – if there's one thing they can look back on with, on the 22-game win streak and, and be, probably be their most proud about is that they never at one point put the streak above what they were trying to accomplish long term. They never did that. I, I think they did do that last year during the 14-game winning streak. Sure. And we saw it took them, what, two weeks, three weeks to, to really recover? 
this this year? What didn't it, didn't it just feel like twenty two games? They just happened to win. It did. I mean, that's the narrative they pushed to us. But let's be real. They cared. Oh, for sure. They knew what the number was, even though they claimed not to. And when they lost finally, or when they won the twenty second one on a walk off, <laughs> every player posted <laughs> yeah. about number twenty two and how crazy. Well, I mean, they knew. But you can appreciate, but, Zach. You can appreciate it and not, not. Obsess strain your it. obsess, strain yeah. yourself over it, and that's what I thought they did. I mean, you can care about it, you can be proud of it, and they should be proud of it. They did something that no team in a hundred years has done. So, I, I at least look at this team, its makeup, the way that it heads into the postseason, knowing that there's no guarantee for anything you're doing. There's there's no predictor. Nothing we've seen will predict what will happen in the postseason. But the only thing you can do as a, a baseball team is prepare yourself for April through September as best you can and then head into October and hope for the best and that's they're in a position now with the way things are currently constructed where they're heading into the playoffs as focused and as as where they need to be as as possible that's that's it there's there's no guarantee about anything but they're pushing forward as as best they can that's why it was hilarious to me when Astros manager AJ Hinch said something to the effect of oh it took a Major League record winning streak for a team to catch us, we're fine. Like, you don't – so many people last year were like, well, if you take away the Indians' 14-game winning streak, they're barely over 500. And it's like, why do you – you don't just eliminate a good stretch of baseball. In fact, you you probably should pay more attention yeah. to the outliers. And, okay, so if the Indians went 21-1 and during those 22 games, they'd still have caught the Astros. And you then what would your argument be? Well, it took a really good stretch? Well, like, you had a really good stretch in April and May, and that's why you were ahead. And I think I'd rather play my best baseball later in the season so that I at least know what works moving forward than play really well, struggle, and try to find something that gets the team back on track. I'm not saying the Indians are in much, much better shape than the Astros. But, uh, you know, you, you can try to discount a stretch like this all you want. It's something that the Indians, uh, I mean, they made a movie about the freaking athletics, like, when they won 20 in a row. And so it's it's something to be proud of, and it's more than that. It's The team has played really well over the last, what, two months? Yeah. Seven, eight weeks? I would say would <laughs> if you... Put that line in the sand as being that one in five road trip to the West Coast yeah. from Oakland to San Francisco when they came back and it, I mean, being in those locker rooms, it was it was probably as down as I've seen them ever be following some games and so much so that even when just asking about a couple of losses, I got some snapbacks from from guys that were, you know, just saying, hey man, it's just two games, it's just two games. It, well, was, I think the frustration was setting in a little bit. Take that line in the sand there and look at what they've done since they've been they've been playing forget the record just look at the way that they play they've played as good as anyone and that's the key is it's not just about the wins and losses it's about you figure out what works and you figure out what lineup and how much playing time and what rotation and how to use certain relievers and that's the key is because in april and may you're it's trial and error and when you get to this point in the season you know what type of team you want to put out in the field when it matters in october and the Indians, they certainly have questions to answer over the next couple of weeks because yeah. of injuries. But otherwise, they're in really good shape because they know what works. And they know what, you know, what the foundation of their team is. Zach, through that 22-game winning streak, you know, we, we spent a lot of it, a lot of the time here. You were on the road. I was on the road. There was a lot of stuff that along the way we didn't know it was going to become a 22-game winning streak. 
that we probably could have saved. There was some probably some cool stuff we could have saved, whether it was some lineup cards. This is a bad or, segue. I know it. Or just little things around the park that you could have someday said, hey, this is something from when the team won 22 games in a row. Well, the Indians do have the last out baseball, um, for I think from every, every one of those 22, out on display at the corner, um, which also reminded me that they, you know, they're, they're big about collecting their memorabilia to store in this dark closet behind the barbershop <laughs> in the bowels of Progressive Field. There will be more on this. I have a deep dive coming right after the season on this. Um, I think it's fascinating. But the one you thing... You never know what you're going to want to keep, man. The one thing they were not able <laughs> Wait to... Wait they're on hoarders. <laughs> the one thing they were never able to get was the ball that Carlos Santana caught at the end of the Toronto series in the playoffs last year. You know, he catches the pop fly, what do you mean they, they drops down to his knees. Santana would not let them have it. Oh, like okay. every other ball, every say, other I piece of memorabilia that they wanted, it. stuff from the World Series that they got to keep, and yet Santana's like, "Nope, you can't have this one." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, after that game, Anna pulled it. Anna Bolton, who does their translation here, she pulled it out. I took a, a photo of it. So what? He just grabbed it. He and got ran it back. Away? He got it back. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's why he was standing in the corner of the clubhouse. He's always on he's he's defensive. He, has, maybe he always carries it with him. He has the ball from the last out <laughs> when they pseudo clinched the central. Um but where are we going with this? Memorabilia, man. Yeah. I'm a big memorabilia guy. You're you not, are. are you? I I just learned this about you. I when I was younger, I used to care more about it. Now I've lost so much stuff through like through several moves. I'm like really upset I have a uh, in 1996, being a fan here, I got Mariano Rivera to sign a rookie card. This is 1996, so, I mean, he was good, but no one knew he was going to become. He was one of those starting pitchers whose, like, <laughs> stamina wasn't high enough and durability was pretty good. Like, but is, he, is he that much better than Ramiro Mendoza? I mean, come <laughs> on. And then, of course, he blossoms into becoming what many people believe to be the greatest closer of all time. I have somewhere in my parents' house, I have a signed rookie card, which someone will cringe and say, you just diminished its value by putting his autograph on it. Well, to me, it was just more, It's hey, like that's the cool. hat that I got signed by Ken Dorsey. Yeah, that, absolutely. And I have a baseball signed by Damian Jackson and uh -huh. Danny Baez. Did somewhere. they collide while <laughs> going to sign it? No, they did was not. Was Damian Jackson and Johnny Damon? What? Uh, I don't know. In the playoffs. That. Anyway, so... Someone asked me on Twitter, it, it's part of the mailbox for this week, about if I could save one piece of baseball memorabilia, what would it be? And I've got a bobblehead collection. Um, I've got a bunch of just, I have like eight tubs of random sports memorabilia. And I love this stuff. And I thought it was a fascinating question. I, I thought the first things that came to mind were the home run ball from Bobby Thompson's shot heard round the world in 1951, the bat Babe Ruth used to call a shot in the 1932 World Series. I, I started thinking about some Cleveland-centric stuff. It would be cool to have, like, an Omar Vizquel glove. Um, I don't know. Yes. I already have an Octavio Dotel baseball card. So. <laughs> and an 8x10 framed. Let's not forget that. Yeah, see, so you're thinking of all these cool moments in baseball history, which, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, but for me, I, I would be more looking for cool things that are cooler sentimentally because they're just completely random. I mean, and for you, running your, your, your random baseball jersey sightings at the ballpark, I know you have to appreciate just... I do. Just I, finding things that are completely random. I do like keep. the random stuff better than the great established stuff. Because that holds a special place to you. Sure. Most of the stuff that you collect as memorabilia, are you ever going to sell it? 
probably not. You just hold on to it because it, it's cool to you. And I'm thinking about it. You asked me what, what are some of the things that I would want to have. And you start listing off all these great things about baseball history. And, yeah, that, all that's fantastic. Tell me you wouldn't want the baseball that Andy Marte used, rest in peace, to strike out Nick Swisher when he pitched in a game. Historic moment. Tell me you wouldn't want that. I was so excited watching that. So excited. 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 One more? Excited. Okay. I would want the baseball hit off Mariano Rivera that kissed the foul pole. They hit off the foul pole. Bill Selby's grand uh, slam. It landed in uh, the old bullpen, I think. Was it the it bullpen? It was just inside the, the foul pole. I know pole. it was down the right field line. Yeah. But I, I, I got to ask Bill if you ever got that back. I would want that ball. I would want the ball that Selby hit the grand slam off Mariano Rivera. One of the most improbable moments in baseball history that I've ever witnessed. What size t-shirt do you wear? <laughs> Did you ever let him know? No, I never got the answer. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Lenny Webster's glove yeah, in the 1997 ALCS? To see, is there a hole in it? Did, he, yeah. did, did you really think he fouled that off? Did you or just drop it? Omar's bat to see if it ever made contact with the ball. Yeah. See, those are the things, baseball-wise, I would love to have. Well, I put, uh, I included one Chris of... Chris Magruder's walk-off. Oh, jeez. One of Albert Bell's corked bats. That would be nice. I think that'd be fun. How about the rope that Jason Grimsley used to drop sure. into the visiting clubhouse? Sure. Or the uh, umpire's clubhouse. The piece of ceiling he removed to that climb be, up. And, that would be and fantastic. Um, yeah, there's uh, the Bill Selby one. Why didn't I think of that? Or, oh, like, I think it would be cool. You know, they never got the ball from Rajay Davis's home run. I, I thought they did. I thought somebody had that at some point. The Indians don't have any idea. They thought it might have hit a cameraman. It did. Well, it knocked a guy over. Oh, well. That, there's, there's the one shot of the ball flying into the left field uh, porch, and then the cameraman losing his balance, and yeah. all you see is the sky. Okay. Because he's falling over. But the Indians never retrieved that. And uh, there's some dispute. Are we sure the Cubs didn't steal it? Well, there's dispute over whether it's, you know, Major League Baseball has its say and they can pick what they want to. Um, but, yeah, I, random memorabilia is great. Ryan Merritt's boots. Yeah. From Game 5 sure. of the ALCS. Jason Giambi's golden thong. Uh, no, I would be all right with that. Uh, maybe a few things found inside the locker recently during celebrations. <laughs> No comment. Uh, Michael Martinez is... Uh, uh, Leadership? <laughs> Jersey? <laughs> the point being, I would appreciate more of the random stuff. So if anybody has an idea of something completely random, I mean, if, you, if it's regular baseball stuff, that's fine. One of Trot Nixon's pie crusts? That would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Johnny Damon's robe that he would walk around in every day as he his career kind of faded off the map. If only he was still on the team, Lindor would have He finally would have fit in. Yeah. Everyone would have had the robe that he had back five, six years ago. How about one of the heating pads Damon used when he got general cramping? <laughs> <laughs> now we may be... You know, this could be a story. Spot. I think I think we're getting somewhere. Diamond dialogue. This is uh, this could be fun. I'm glad we've worked this out. So if anybody has either has something completely random, has something awesome that they want to show us, tweet tweet at us at TJ Zuby as Zach Meisel, uh, or anything you just wish you had, completely random, uh, memorabilia wise, something from watching the Indians in the '90s, early 2000s, 
And I think probably the worse the Indians team was, the better the piece of memorabilia will be for me. <laughs> yeah, you love those, like, the 2003-2004 Indians. Because that's they were fantastic. Come on. You can't appreciate Mike Rouse playing the infield like nobody's business? Uh, something with Matt Lawton. Matt Lawton... Oh, I know. You know he made two all-star teams with the Indians? Yeah, the one was completely ridiculous. <laughs> it was completely <laughs> ridiculous. I think, I, I think I've got it. The tanning bed that Marty Cordova yeah, fell asleep in. That just popped into my mind, too, but he wasn't with the Indians at the time, unfortunately. I'm just loses a little luster. But it's still pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, well, if anybody has any of those, tweet it at Zach Meinzel, at TJ Zuppi. We'll be back next week to talk about, I don't know, what do you want to talk about next week? Uh, the official name for the podcast. Yeah, well, at some point we're going to name this. Selby's Godcast, can it work? Are we going to stick with that? Are you yeah, just winding different... this down because your legs are tired? They are a little bit tired. Actually, I'm good to go. I'm just ready to, you know, get up out of here, go see my family for five minutes, and then write about Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber. Are you excited? You got the fever? Well, next time we're in this room, I will remember all the great moments in here, and this podcast will be one of them. (laughs) Somewhere near the bottom, I'm sure. Thank you for listening this week. It's the Athletic Cleveland Baseball Podcast. Perhaps Selby is Godcast. Perhaps something else. Yeah, tweet us your suggestions. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the Athletic Clee on Twitter. And we'll make this thing have a name. Subscribe on iTunes. Find us if you have bumpers, which is a brand new thing. We were in the top five the last two weeks for sports listens. Out of six? It's because not many people are on bumpers yet, but it's a fantastic podcasting uh, app for your phone. So if anybody at home is like, man, I wish I could do a podcast, but I'm not always with the person I want to podcast with. Well, this app is fantastic. Changed the game for for us, certainly at The Athletic. Well, don't tell them how to podcast or else they're going to put us out of business. This is still free. And remember, free is always better than having to pay, at least according to my Twitter mentions. Unless it's The Athletic. Come on, dude. (laughs) I'm so bad at this. Okay, so you can subscribe on Bumpers. You can subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, sorry. You can subscribe on SoundCloud. You can find us a million ways. Just search The Athletic Cleveland Baseball Podcast. The Athletic Cleveland, search it. You'll find us. You can subscribe, and you'll find us there. Or you can just come to where we tape these, and you can watch it live. Three people (laughs) standing in the background. The only thing I wish I could have done before we signed off as Bruce Chen walked by was get one of his famous jokes to have us sign off with. But So he was in the last story. He was in the Indians clubhouse the other morning. And he tells like the same four jokes over and over. And I was trying to remember one of them to tell him. And he was in there for like five minutes. He was talking to someone. And I stood there waiting to talk to him. So that I'd have this joke locked and loaded, and he finally peeled away from who he was talking to, and I just froze. I could not think of the first line of the joke. And I didn't, like, the worst thing would be going up to this guy, telling him one of his own jokes that he tells every day, and completely botching it. it. So I didn't get... You didn't I tell didn't, him about I didn't the, talk to him at all, because I... <laughs> you didn't tell him about the fire at the circus? Oh, what is that one? It's intense. It's, yeah. There's something about Reese Witherspoon... I don't remember that one. That's, did you hear how the actress died, not with a knife, with her spoon? I, but I, that's the one I was going for, but I couldn't remember how to start it. And then, of course, who could forget Snoo? What's Snoo? What's new with you? Yeah. 
We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this terrible podcast. <laughs> Later.